This is Strange Assembly episode 194, Seafall. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Matt Sandlin. Good evening. And we are going to be talking about... Uh... Oh, I messed up my joke. I thought that I would was think quick. of something while I was talking, but then I didn't. I needed to think of some really bad game that no one would want to hear about, so I could say, we're going to be talking about this wretched piece of awfulness. And then people would say, like, what? But I thought you would just said Seafall in the episode title. Uh, this is why I'm never going to make a living as a comedian. Well, that too. What, one of the many reasons. Right, there you go. There you go. So, okay, so this is the Seafall episode. So, what do we mean by the Seafall episode? Maybe there will be another Seafall. There actually probably will be another Seafall episode later, but... Possibly. Because, what, we're only five games in? Yes. So, we have we have played the prologue, and then games one through five of Seafall, and now seemed like a good time to, to talk about it some, so it's more of a useful review, right? We did Pandemic Legacy... But we did our Pandemic Legacy review with the full spoilers and everything, what, a year after, I don't know, nine months, a year after the game came out? I think so. But that was partly me, because I was in a separate Pandemic Legacy one on that one. It, yeah, but I, I mean, <laughs> I I got done like maybe a month before you did. It's not, it's like, so what we're going to do here is we're going to try to give as as good a review as we can of the game as we've experienced it so far without any kind of spoilers and we're going to try to hold on to that as long as we can and then we're going to go into a realm of what I would say are let's say trivial spoilers because there are some things that when you pick up the game and read the rule book it's very obvious that they are going to happen, happen. Uh, and so I, I don't think that that is a spoiler. Like, if I was listening, I don't think I would consider that a spoiler, but if you want to be truly and completely in the dark, you know, forewarned, at some point we're going to to move into that. But for perspective, like, like we said, so that we are a prologue and five games in, I, apparently it's 15-ish on average, so... For whatever that's worth, I mean, we have no idea what pace we're on, slower, faster, but that's just, just for a, an idea of where we are, because if we wait until we've gone through who knows how many more games, 10, I, I don't know, you know, it's going to be a, gonna gonna be a be while, a and so the, the review is going to be less timely. I'm not going to repeat the rule book or anything, uh, and, and you probably know what the general view is, but just in broad terms, this is a... Not really 4x, but I guess if it's got significant aspects of that, yeah, I can I can see that. You have to Explore, you start with your expand. Yeah, I mean, there's combat. I mean, there's there's no okay non-spoiler. There's at least as we're aware, there's no player elimination, so there's not you know exterminate right. in a literal sense, but there's combat. Right. Each player starts with a province on one edge of the board, and there are things printed on the board for maybe five rows, and then after that the board is blank. And 
you start out knowing nothing. You start out and you you have your two ships. They have some statistics, right? These ships can they have you, you know you can sail, which is how far they move. They have a raid value, which is how well they do combat. They have an explore value, which is how well they gasp, explore, hull is or hold is how much hold. stuff they can hold. You score victory points by exploring by by successfully completing endeavors which include exploring stuff and or doing raids stuff and raiding stuff. Yeah, you can pick up and deliver to generate cash and then you get victory points for buying upgrades to your ship which when we say upgrades to your ship these are things that they're just for that game and then they go away. Correct. And then you uh, can also use money to buy treasure, which are just victory points. Straight victory points. And then yeah. uh, the third one is to build on your bro- uh, build on your home province. To upgrade it. Yeah, so there's three different things you can spend your money on that will generate victory points. And so that, you know, is the, the general framework right there. That, that's what you're doing. And then you add this this legacy thing on top of that what what's listed in the rule book that you'll know about without any kind of spoilerage is that the winner of each game will get to upgrade their province or leader in some way there are advisor cards that you can acquire and play during the game and most players well the possibly the person who won the game will not get well, to not. keep one but everyone else will, and those will get upgraded, and so you can... Typically, it's like, pick my best one, upgrade that one, keep them, until that's not possible. <laughs> right. And then your ships improve from game to game in a different... Not in the way that they improve by buying an upgrade during during the game. Right. Yeah. You could say upgrades in-game are temporary upgrades, because you can lo- lose them in game, but you know when you know, we talk about in game enhancing, you can almost say enhancing your ship because they're permanent. And then everybody gets a title, which is from lowest to highest in total campaign points, and that determines turn order in the next game. Basically, yes. whoever is losing the campaign at the start of each game. They go first, followed by the person who's in second to last, and then third, and, and so on. Our game, for whatever it matters, right, we've only played one player count. We are playing with the full five player count. Yes. So to the extent that that may affect our thing. So for us, it's it's the full one through five. So it's always a lord or lady, a baron, baroness, a count, countess, duke, duchess, and prince, princess. All the way up. So that's the... Basics, and I, I think that there is a a general sense out there that the opening of the campaign is boring. That seems to be what there's a lot of chatter about on the the interwebs. Is that what your sense yeah. is, Matt? I see that it's out there, and that, that's the the funny thing to me is you know. When we compare Seafall, this whole legacy aspect, to kind of some of the other well-known legacy 
ones, everybody already knew how to play Pandemic. And then, if you don't know how to play Risk, uh, I, you must have been born before the 70s. Or just not over the age of 10. So, you know, one, I think one of the things that this suffers with is that you actually have to learn this game. And, you know, it's, it's a full Euro e-game, you know, 4X-ish that you gotta learn. And then we're gonna change the rules as we play. So you're not really ever gonna learn it. Well, I think that's kind of a, a different thing, and we can come back to that. But I, I would say I, based on our experience, I don't think we had boredom land. I don't think we had a boring game. Even the beginning, I don't think we had a boring game. So, Yeah, I mean, I think we've gone at a good clip through our games. So when we get to the more like pseudo-spoilery in a second... Or not in a second, but like a little bit later, I will say why I think that is. But yeah. like, really, we're talking like the lightest of spoilers. But I'm trying to be conscientious of everybody no, here. I gotcha. Obviously, like Game Zero is a learning game. That's the whole point of Game Zero. But I think that one's a must. People are like, "Oh, can I skip the prologue?" Well, no, no, you actually can't <laughs> skip the prologue. Right. The game. Please, yes. please don't. It's it's. Really helpful, you know. Well, never it, even it, mind rules-wise. You literally can't skip the prologue. If you skipped the prologue and just started the first game, the game wouldn't function because there are actual setup things, things that happen in the prologue that that, you, yeah. that have to happen for the first game, <laughs> the first real game to be functional. But yeah, to your to your point, we have had, and and partially this is on us. Let let me be clear. Partially this is on. I think there are a few places where the rule books got some quirkiness where it's less clear than it could be, but partially this is just on us, but, like, we keep messing things up. Yeah. There are a lot of little rule exceptions, and right. we just finished Game 5, and then, like, at the end of Game 5, we realized that we had been doing something wrong, that right. we had spent a real time discussing how to do at the beginning. Now, that right, one... Hey. That one was rule book error as well to some like the rule book did not really was, hopefully convey how it worked. It was vague. It was vague. Yeah. So part of why that happened was because like, there's hidden stuff that comes out, and if everyone who was looking at it and discussing it had been able to fully look at all of the components and had examined them closely, I think we probably would have gotten to the right answer, but I we think hadn't. So too. So yes. we didn't, because if you just look at what it says in the rules, what it says in the rules is not... Not enough. Does not actually, I don't think, convey what you're supposed to do. But there were other times when we just... Like, when we started playing, we messed up how the advisors work, because we can't read. <laughs> that, that was actually really, really funny in the prologue. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, if we look back at it. it uh, yes, yes. We, when, you know, in, in the rulebook, it tells you when one is bought, a new one comes out. Yeah, we didn't do that in the prologue still, yeah, until the, until the first winter, and then we're like, huh? We're like, oh, nobody wait a has any oh, visors. Yeah. yeah, this is strange. But the point is, read carefully. Read the rules. <laughs> like, well, I mean, we read the rules, right? And we and we're usually very good as a group. I know. I mean, I guess I'm the one who speards this, but I think we're we're as a group pretty good at 
grabbing rules. And most of the people in the, I mean, everybody in the group, I think, had either read read the rule book and or watched, like maybe that the Team Covenant How to Play video yeah. or something. I mean, so it was not going in blind. But so that's just a forewarn is forewarn. But so as a game, it's hard to. I wish I could come up with a better way to say this, but I would say that the game, the structure of the game in and of itself, if you strip away the legacy components, is is a boring game. <laughs> right? And and I and I say that I okay. wish I could come up with a better way to say that because it's kind of trivial because the whole point is that there is no game the without the legacy component. But I, I, again, I think that can play a little bit into why some people, if they played it in a certain way in their first couple of games, were not enthused at all. Very happy. But, but yeah. there's definitely that there. There's also been an element, and I don't know how much this is just, this is going to be people generally, and how much this is our group. I think you are the least affected by it, Matt, although your circumstance recently circumstances may, may have contributed to you being less affected by it is yes. that there is there's kind of a heightening of tension of everything the fact that it's it's competitive right the, and yes. that everything is permanent means that everybody is just more worked up you worry when somebody does something before you you feel even, you know, in a competitive game, normally you feel like, oh man, I wish I could have done that. But now in a competitive game that has a legacy aspect, when somebody does that before you, it, it seems even worse that you didn't get it. Yes, or when there have been there have been instances where a player got their ship destroyed because they didn't apply the rules correctly. Yes. And... And it's hard to retroactively fix that. Yeah, and, and we didn't. We just did not go back and do that. But that was much more upsetting, I think, for the player involved than it would right. have been like, if it was just a normal game. Because it wasn't just a normal game where you were going to play it for two hours and then it Be was done. done. Right. That's especially run through with catch-up mechanics. So... You've heard us say already one of the catch-up mechanics, the one that's in the rules. So here's a here's a mildly spoilery thing. That's not the only catch-up mechanic. Right. Other ones will appear later. And that's normal, right? You have to have that, right? You can't have things go away. But there is also a, a, a level of, like, as you go through the things, like, I've spent, I spent most of the campaign. I'm now at the end of Game 5 not in the lead anymore, but I spent most of the campaign so far in the lead. Are you not in the lead? I no. think you're still in the lead. Are you Are you still not number one? No, no. I'm second now. I'm tied with you for second. But since I had been in the lead, oh, the yes, you're, and this, you're is second, in the, you're this is in the rule book, one of, like, we talked about that turn order with the titles. The tiebreaker for anything is whoever has the highest title loses the tiebreaker. Right. And that includes when you're determining the titles for the next game, because I had been the princess for the going for this game and you had been something less than that when we yes. both had tied scores at the end of game five i took the higher title and you took the lower one but that we're right. 
We're, we're both in uh, second place by two points. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's the thing. So it has actually been very balanced so far. We have right now the the top four players are within four points of each other. Yeah. Right. It's it's first place. Two points later is a tie for second. Two points later is a tie for fourth. Uh, fifth place is is a ways back, but but during the course of the games, people have at times felt that this is not. So close. So, like, it, it has not felt close. And it's one of those weird things where, like, if you were just, oh, you, you'd play the game again, and you'd realize, oh, okay, it actually it works better. Than, but because it changes every time, it's always, again, just a little bit extra layer of tension. We've gone and extended, you know, there, there's been healthy periods in a lot of games where the people who are losing the campaign are like, oh, I've... I've not going to accomplish anything, and then you've got me going, oh my gosh, these catch-up mechanics are just clobbering me in the head. (laughs) uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right, so it ended up working out, and right, we had had a situation where in Game 5, we were... Game 5 was very gloomy for us, because I'll, I'll tell you what, Matt was... (laughs) <laughs> Matt, like it, it felt like Matt had basically put himself in a position where he was going to just crush us. He had been a little bit behind, but had been doing some things that were going to help him long run, but that were not really like immediately producing lots of victory points. So you were still behind or whatever in the as far as the right. catch up mechanics counted, and then another catch up mechanic came in and just seems like it's going to kick him in the head. I mean, we have we haven't really. We haven't played that yet, but Don't I think it's going to be in the seems, head. It seems ugly. <laughs> yes. And so I, we'll I, see. I, maybe maybe two games from now we'll be like, wow, that, that you're just done. I, or maybe we'll be like, oh, wait, that actually didn't do much. But So it has ended up being balanced so far, but the whole conversation has been very negative. And that's the thing. To be honest, so far, Seafall is not nearly as good as Pandemic Legacy. That's an extremely high bar, but yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I'm pretty sure that's our... So our Seafall group, for reference, is the exact same people who I played Pandemic Legacy with, plus Matt. Yes. <laughs> well, you got you had to have the, f- the fifth guy in, so... Well, um, I, we didn't yeah. had to. We thought it would be nice to allow as many people as possible, or at least I thought it would yes. be nice to allow as many people yes. as possible to participate. I guess I kind of look at it, I've tried to look at it a little bit differently from, you know, straight comparing it to Pandemic Legacy, but, and I've been, I guess, kind of in the, well, I've been kind of towards the bottom of the pack most of the time, but I've really kind of taken the thought of, all right, set myself up for a longer term gain. And so I think, I, I think that's been giving me a little bit more enjoyment out of it. So I've had I've still had a good time, and I don't know that it's I'm still not ready to say that Pandemic Legacy was, you know, so much better. I still think right now it it in it, it, it's in it, the reason why I'm going to say right now it's still it was better was that when and it's the competitive versus cooperative. Pandemic Legacy it is cooperative, and when we're getting kicked in the head. Everybody's kick, getting kicked in the head, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, game, we're, I'm going to show you." Whereas, since it's a competitive game, when somebody's getting kicked in the head, they're like, "Well, yeah, I'm going to show you person, player number one, but then I'm going to try and show player number two 
that as well because you're both kicking me, right? And so it's kind of yeah, I think that that is a, a significant part of it is is just the co-op versus the competitive. All of the tension in the co-op game was positive. Right. It all positively contributed to the experience. How are we going to overcome this? How are we going to do this other thing versus... This is not, not one of us. There is a player in the group who, for not, I guess, for lack of a better word, peer pressure, would be done with this. Yes. Yeah. The quote was something like, if this wasn't a legacy game, would we be playing this anymore? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Now, and that's the player who's been least happy, obviously, maybe not obviously, but that's the player who's been least happy with it, but that has been there. Right. And, and it's not necessarily who's winning or who's losing. It's A lot of it's just about the player group. So if you have a very sanguine player group, that may not matter. Or if you have a player group that actually thrives on... Like, it's not even nastiness, because it's... I, I guess, do you want to shift into a little bit of... Okay, let's shift into, like, some semi-spoilery things. Pseudo-spoilers, yes. Pseudo-spoilery things. So, like, these are going to be either, like, again, either obvious things that you really should be able to tell just from reading the rulebook, or kind of strategic things that we're going to say. So if you want to, you know, not have any idea about what kind of strategic considerations there might want to be, I guess now's your your time to, to skip ahead, now, okay? Now's your bum, exit point. Bum, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Okay, so in our game, despite the fact that we are five players, which is supposed to be the most combative, like, there's just no fighting. We're a bunch of Care Bears. We're a bunch of Care Bears running around. Well, but, but partially it's because... The, I mean, okay, right, I, I am Mr. Not Attacky. Like, I am the guy who is, in playing games like this, I always want the player power that's about building science or technology or, or economy or something, right. never the one that's like, oh, you're the military guy. But there are, other, but that's me. Like, there are other players in the group for that, whom, that whom is, is definitely not the case, but... Even they're not doing it. Yeah, no, like, no one is attacking anyone, so... I, I, I don't know if we're correct in not attacking anyone, but I think the reason is because the mechanics for attacking someone are so punishing. Like, if you if you attack someone and really go kick the crud out of them, it throws so much enmity on them that you can basically never do it again. Right. Or you have to wait for a while. A long while. Or at least hope they come and try and kick the crud out of you. Especially because, I mean, and I guess this is... Eh. Is it spoilerish? Yeah, that is spoilerish. Anyhow, so we'll we'll skip that. But there are other reasons, right? There are there are other reasons as the game develops. So here, okay, here's the thing that's that's I, I mean that is technically a spoiler, but like you can attack each other's ships, right? So in the rulebook as written, you can only attack each other's provinces, but it's it's very obvious when you read it. There's like a big huge chunk, and it says it's something missing. like you can't attack other people's ships yet. Yes, I well, mean so. Right, so yeah. you can attack each other's ships. I think we've done it twice. Yeah, it's not happened a lot. And it's, even though it's worth a victory point, I mean, there are reasons to, to do, do it. it. And probably there probably are times when we should do it, but it probably should be like certain people who have some incentives to do it. Or, or there, are other, there are some people who have disincentives to do it. But there are, yes. there should, there are certain people who, quote-unquote, should maybe be attacking 
someone who, like, at key moments to just mess them up. Yes. Although that might make the game go longer, which would be a bad... Like, that's the other thing about this compared to Pandemic Legacy. These games are long. Right. I mean, we've done... we what, We've done probably about a two-hour average. At, at least. Or two-hour, two like, hour minimum. Average. The yeah. games are at least two hours. So in Pandemic Legacy, we would play, like, four games in a night. With Seafall, we play two games a night, basically. Yes. We get started at a normal time, and then we go to our, our normal time. And that means that if this actually takes 15 games, like Pandemic... We are at Pandemic Legacy could be 12 to 24. I think ours was 16. We have a 15-game, 16, if you count the prologue game of, of Seafall, that's twice as long. That's... That's, That's a, a long time. significant extra amount of time. There have also been times like this. One of the things that contributed to people being dissatisfied during the game we just played was not just that it seemed like, oh gosh, Matt's going to be just obliterating everyone after this game. It was that we almost went through the entire game with three people at the table, not accomplishing anything during the game. Right. And that kind of comes back to the why people think the game is, is kind of boring in, in some ways. is so like, there are milestones. And you need to aim for the milestones. Period. The <laughs> milestones are how the game moves forward. Every time... So there's this captain's book. And I left this for here because it's semi-spoily, but the captain's book is the best part of the game, really. The captain's <laughs> book really and, fun. like, opening boxes of stuff. Yes. Every time you explore, you open the captain's book and you read a little bit of story and you get a choice and then it goes somewhere and then something different happens and it alters the board. And there are even minor ones. And that's why, like, I wasn't bored in the prologue because the prologue involves you exploring stuff. Exploring is, by a mile... I think, the most fun part of the game, because every time you successfully explore, you open the captain's book. And and choose your own adventure from there. To the point where I kind of don't want to do anything but explore, unless it's necessary to get a milestone. <laughs> uh, because yes. the milestones are like super versions of going to the captain's book. But I think that our early games were not slow, or were not boring, because we just bullseyed on those milestones, and we kept hitting milestones, and that makes stuff happen. That's the yes. part that makes the game interesting. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, in, this is in, in the rulebook already. So, you know, because of the milestones or our focus on the milestones, I think we've seen less winters than a normal game would have, would have seen. Yes, a year is six rounds. So you have a winter and then six rounds and winter six. And I think the rule book says, like, oh, average games will be two and a half years or two, two and a half. Something. I mean, does it say something like that? I think somewhere it says that. We've maybe gone a couple of turns into the second year. We've, Three, we've only ever had, besides the winter that you start at, at, you know, that's part of the, you know, beginning of the game. We've only ever had one extra winter. Uh, yeah, we're not, and I'm not even close. I don't think we've even come... Have we even come close to having, like, a yes, second normal? A, no. No, yeah. No, no. We are always way far out from that second winter. Yeah, and because those are... 
to end a particular game, you have to get to first, you know, 11, and then 12, and then 15, and whatever points. And, right, you look at the milestones, they have glory numbers on them. Yup, you get those glory points when you complete those milestones. And you were usually doing something that gave you glory points anyway. So that's also been one of the things that, that can make the game be a bit high variance, is that depending on exactly when it ends, you can have somebody end with almost nothing, or they get one more turn, and they do whatever they were doing, and then they hit the milestone, and now they've gone from, like, last place to second in the game. <laughs> well, I, and that, that was actually our last game, too. You know, that the... <laughs> yes, yes, and then that was a... But that was everybody went from, you know, low score to medium score. And one of them was with a, a milestone, but yeah, that was, yes, everyone was kind of trying to do something, and had the game ended one turn earlier, one of us, Matt, would have done it, like, twice, and, or would have, or, I guess you ended up doing it twice, and everybody else ended up doing it once, and it would have been, right. you did it once, and everybody else did it zero times, which right. is significant when you had already done it twice in prior so, games, and no one else had done it at all. Correct. Which, to some extent, is our fault for not having aimed for that, but I blame people who aren't me because one, I'm full of myself, but also because I was in, like I You I, were in first already, I was you didn't in need first, to do that well, No, but I was in first already so I couldn't Yes. because other yes. people would do the things that needed to be done to get towards that goal before, before, before I could possibly do it, which, which and, is fine, right? It's fine and one of those people was me. Yeah, well, because that's <laughs> right. That's the whole point of catch-up mechanics, right? That's why you've got it in there. Right. I'm just saying, I declined to take the blame for not having done that. <laughs> yes. No. No. Nope, nope. No. And and you know, and looking back, the more we talk about that, that was a bad choice. <laughs> on oh, my of yours. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. You. Bad choice. You declined to admit this at the time, but I think you were just being nice because you realized that your thought... Maybe not you you actually thought you were going to be so far ahead, but you realized that everyone was going to hate you and you perhaps prioritized that over... I prioritized fun of all in in the moment for versus the what is best for me in the course of the entire game. Yes. Because you knew that you could end the game right. and that if you ended the game then no one would be able to like we would have gone the whole game with like no one one player like doing a couple things and then you doing awesome and no one doing anything and in a way that would set up future like the Games. following game to what appeared to be kind of a miserable status for for others Everyone. now i don't think that there was any way you could have known <laughs> Oh yes, no, that no. What actually happened was going to happen because, right? This we opened a box, <laughs> you know, and that changes things. It changes things dramatically. Yeah. So I think that for the people who are bored by it, I I'm just going to go back to the same thing. Like aiming, I think aiming for milestones is the real cure to that. Now I'll admit that I look at it and say like, if we have to play ten more turns of the ten more games of this. I don't know if there's 10 more games of content. I think we're moving at a pretty fast clip, and if it I, I, still takes yeah. us 10, like, we will have run out of stuff to open. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to... 
run out of the exciting things probably in five, six more. Yeah, and so I'm, 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 my hope is that the game will end before <laughs> we run out. Like, the worst thing is that, like, you run out of the new and exciting stuff, and then, like, you have to, would have to gut it out for five more games to actually end the campaign, and that would be bad. Well, I, this is semi-spoilerish, but it's kind of already, again, it's in the rulebook, and you can already see it on the, the board. If you notice, you know, the, the islands have, you know, they start increasing in numbers when you look at them, you know, and then, and then the, the, you know, different islands have different values. And so I think, I think it's going to be, it's going to be harder for us to keep up with the growth that the islands have versus our stats. I think that's where we're going to start to slow down. I actually disagree with that. On the numbers? Mm-hmm. Are you talking the numbers that are already on the board at the start of the game? Well, just the, you know, when you look at one of the starting islands, you see threes and fours, and mostly threes and fours, and there's a five and six. And then you go further out, then the next one is less threes and more, you know. They build up, but when you, I mean, when you look at the numbers on the side of the board. Yes. I think that we are already in, I mean, we're, we're in a position where we have gone like a certain portion of the board, mm-hmm. but I think that really the what our abilities are such that there's no real impediment to us going almost across the entire board now with what we have. The impediment, and this is, I, I mean, and again, we'll have to see what happens with legacy stuff to affect this. Is I mean, is just getting across the board, right? One of That's one of the things we keep having is like, okay, how are we going to... And a, a few things have happened a little bit, and we'll see what things continue to happen, but I, I was kind of expecting the board to... Not be so vast. Well, I, I think it's hard to get more into it without getting into Super actual spoiler. spoilery things. Yeah. But, I don't know. So it's it's odd. I I want to be able to give a ringing endorsement of this, right? I was super excited about Seafall. You know, I had my early access thing to Gen Con. I waited in that line. I waited in the Plaid Hat line. I happily handed over my my money to get Seafall, and I was super looking forward to it. And despite some of the negative things we said, I, I don't think it's been a bad experience so far, but it's an, it's been an experience so far that I'm somewhat ambivalent about. And I I don't know how it's going to work out. Yeah, I mean, and I think part of the ambivalence is maybe some of the the heightened tension during the games that we. It's a significant part of it, right? And and so I tend to not be as affected by that. That and apparently, you know, I was the one that in that other game that was able to still be ahead. But, uh, I mean, I'm still having a very positive experience. I'm still super excited every time we go to the book. Every time we go to the captain's book, I'm like, ooh, what, is, yes. what are, what are we gonna, what are we gonna see? And, you know, it's, and sometimes it's, it, hey. Yes, it, it is a, captain's book is amazing. It's just that you have to do something to like, get it. it. It's a very precise, right? It is a euro. 
And if you think about some euros, the way in which one mistake can, like, cost you a whole bunch in a game. And, okay, it happens, but it feels a lot worse when... When, like, it has this this ongoing effect. Yeah, and I don't know how much that's... Clearly, some of that is us. But... I think part of it is that the the cap the going to the captain's book is awesome, but it would be nice if it was awesomer when you were doing things other than going to the captain's book. You mean doing the mundane stuff to get your 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 glory that we talked about at the beginning? Uh, yeah, yeah. The non milestone route to glory. Yeah. I don't think we're the only ones. I don't right. think I'm the only one, but just based on the general sense that some people have given of their initial impressions, which, like I said, I think we... I don't think we had a boring time of it, but it's yeah. because we were just going at that captain's book like crazy. Right. And I hate to try and encourage us to not be like this way, but I think just the play style of most everybody... Not everybody, but most everybody is we really aren't going after each other. We're not going after each other's provinces. You know, we talked about how there are ships that, you know, you can raid each other's ships. We're just not doing that. And I think maybe we're leaving a a significant portion of the game a little untouched. Now, again, the, the deterrent. We talked about the deterrent. The enmity is huge. And... I don't know, maybe we're we're too afraid of that. I think that raiding each other is something that we probably it probably should be done, but it's also something that is a like you do it at a single strategic strike. Yeah. Not just like just not beating just on another player. Like there has to be one specific reason to do it, like to stop them from getting a milestone or to make sure you can get the milestone or Right. Whatever. So I, I'm still looking forward to completing it. We're gonna have. I wish we were able to, kind of get on with it faster. But you know, our our schedules are what our schedules are. Yes. So. The raid is not where I thought you were going. I thought you were gonna say you're like I hate to be this way. I thought you were just gonna say we need to lighten up. Which, well. I mean. Well, uh, yes, but that that's a that's an obvious. Just, just take it easy. Yes, it's it's legacy, but it'll be okay. There are catch-up mechanics. No, no, they are, and like, like we said, and they've worked so far, so far, right? Okay, we're we're, we're five and a half games in, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But so far, it's been very balanced how that works. You just have like, yeah, when when you're the person to lead, you have to be like, I am okay with the fact that there is a catch-up mechanic in this, and that, yes, that gives me a handicap in every game, but that's because I'm winning. And if you're not winning, you have to kind of think about how, like, yeah, I've got some really, really good catch-up mechanics of a mirror. It's one of those things where the catch-up mechanic is really more of a detriment to the people at the top than a bonus to the people at the bottom, and that has a harder time feeling balanced, whether or not it actually is, because the players who are doing well feel a pinch and may not right. like it, 
and the people who are doing early when the catch-up mechanic is restricting someone else rather than directly benefiting you you don't feel it as much and that's how the initial catch-up mechanic works which is basically the going first which is a huge deal very big deal I mean, <laughs> going first is enormous because yeah it may especially be because there's five of us and even though we haven't really hacked at each other the board does not change at all there is no adjustment in the rules for three versus four versus five players so the opportunities that, that are there get picked over faster in one sense, I think it would be beneficial to play this with fewer players because there are only X number of opportunities to go to the captain's book, essentially, and now each player will get to do more of them. Or do you think yeah. we've kept it moving more? Like, I, think, I guess we've probably hit milestones more quickly overall, but right, each game right. probably I... takes longer, just takes longer, and... See, that's that's a very... It's hard. That's a hard one to answer on that. Because I like that we've had the full complement, but I can see where having four people would speed things up in each individual game, but it might actually draw the number of games out. And I think that's what you were saying, but yeah. it, it, it's... It's kind of it's hard to balance that right now since we haven't really tried it with less. Well, yeah, yeah we, <laughs> I mean, we played all our games with five, you know. And if things go well, then we will play all of our games with five. Right. So I don't know. We've probably been going on long enough that it's about time to to wrap this up. So I would still recommend Seafall. I'm obviously less. I, I'm not, I couldn't have been more... I would have a hard time being more enthused than I was before. Right. I still think it's worth going out and playing. Go for milestones. Read the rulebook with a fine-tooth comb. This will probably get better, because we have been playing it with really no ability to look on the internet for any kind of rules help. Right. None whatsoever. <laughs> not, not like sitting there in the middle of the game. I guess, theoretically, we could email somebody between games, but right in the middle of the game when it sums up, but just little nuances of things. Making a strategic error can have a big impact on your game. Just, you know, yes. messing up one turn. Making a rules error can have a big impact on your game. And that that feels lousier. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any way, but Captain's Book is really fantastic. I love going into the Captain's Book. <laughs> yes, it is it is it is very fun. And probably when we are done with our campaign, we will be back with a follow up on this. That one will probably just be the hey Here's our final thoughts. But we'll be back with something once we've we finished our campaign, we'll have our final thoughts and I think next time I'll be the ambivalent one and you'll be super excited. <laughs> that is that is probably possible. not going to happen, but you know. <laughs> what? No, no. I mean, I, I already. When I left our session last night, I was thinking about. I I was thinking about. Oh, this is what I'd like to do, and maybe do that, and then going. Oh man, I wish I had done something different with my ship enhancement. <laughs> You're like, I already messed it up. 
Yes. I have a... I don't know if a plan is the right word, but I have a semi—I have a notion of what I'm going to be aiming for. But yeah, I mean, you just—you have to do milestones, right? Like when you have to score ten and fifteen and twenty or however many it is points. If you're scoring them at one point at a time, it's going to take, take a while. And maybe it weirds it that we've—you know—us aiming for milestones, like effectively, I think. That has contributed to us having relatively short games turn-wise, although not time-wise. We could right. probably work on that, too. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. As per usual. But what are, your, what are your parting thoughts? Parting thoughts? I would still say go pick it up. It's, I, I think you're going you're, you're gonna to have a good time, but just know that you need to relax and enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's the best parting parting thoughts I can have on that one. Okay. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can download or subscribe to the podcast there, or you can find us on iPod, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed, and ours too, not just the fine ones. You can find us on the usual social media. We're at Strange Assembly on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. I always like to hear uh, comments, criticisms, feedback, questions, etc. So you can email me. I'm Chris at StrangeAssembly.com. But until then, for Matt Sandlin, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. <laughs>